0: This is Ross and my partner, Bob, with Worldview Matters. Hi, Ross. Good morning to you. Great being with you, Bob. Uh, We welcome you to this show pre-Christmas, and uh, there are a lot of things happening in this world that are devastating, that are heart-wrenching, difficult for us to understand, and Bob and I would like to make an attempt to step away a little bit from some of the discussions that we've had over the past few weeks about socialism and Islam and the Mideast. And let's look at this situation that happened in Connecticut over this past four or five days. And let's see if we can take it apart. We would love to look at it more from a worldview or spiritual standpoint than many of the discussions that are taking place on the TV and radio stations, looking at it from another perspective. And we, we fully are aware that there are gun law issues. There's, there are issues that of, of law and, and things of this nature that will play into this. And this is something that's going to be vetted and taken apart and put back together by many, many people over the next few weeks and months. I'm not sure that there's a pet answer, but let's take a look at some of these things and attempt to to vent some of the things that we see is that a Is that a
1: good direction to go, Bob, and are you ready to tackle this tough topic well ross i uh, i gotta tell you of uh, of all the things that have come up on the news and in in public life in in recent times. This event in Connecticut, I believe, has, has sent all of us just uh, – it, we're reeling. We're reeling trying to get our arms around the, the actual events that took place there at the Sandy, Cook, Sandy Hook Elementary School. But I just have to tell you, Ross, it, nothing has touched me personally in, in, a, in, as, in, a, in as deep a core level – as the events that have happened recently, with especially with the murder of these twenty children, I I just got to tell you I have, I have lost sleep over this. I have found myself grieving. I found myself weeping. Uh, I, I have grandchildren, as do you, that are the same age of, of these children, and it has just absolutely devastated me emotionally. I, I I'm not I'm not sure that I'm going to ever recover from this, and I'm not sure that. We ever should recover from this because there's something that's happening in our culture that it's almost like we've, we've taken another step on this slippery slope to something that is incredibly ominous. And, you know, one of the things, Ross, I'd like for us maybe to talk about today as it relates to worldview is the whole idea of evil You know, a a secular worldview doesn't allow for evil. But um, biblical worldview, uh, even Islam, even Judaism, the the big theisms, they do allow for evil, Ross. And I've got to tell you, when I look at the events that have happened in Connecticut, I am gripped by the fact that there's evil happening, evil at an individual level in the life of this tragic young man that did this, but then evil maybe at a macro societal level also. And I, I think we can talk about that. I think the scripture has some things to say about that.
0: And you know, I th- society has changed significantly. Uh, I've got the the benefit or the albatross of having been in grammar school at the age of these kids years and years ago. But as I think about my early time in grammar school, uh, there was nothing like this. There were no locks on the doors. There was no concern that somebody was going to come into the school and do anything like this. I do remember that my mother said to me, don't ever get in the car with a stranger. And I was in the second grade, and there was a storm brewing. And my mother asked the next door neighbor who had a car. My we only had one car in the family, and my dad had it. She asked him if he would pick me up at school, and so he asked. He came to school, and I wouldn't get in the car with him, and I walked home in the rain. And my mom asked me why I wouldn't. She said. I said, you told me never to get into the car with somebody that wasn't my family. And I said, he wasn't my family. He lived next door. So I took that. to Mm -hmm. to But you didn't think about things like that. We just didn't have that. And here today, this school had had their front doors locked for five years. And they had evidently not bulletproof glass because this young man shot a light out, a glass out to be able to get his hand in to get the door open. And uh, they didn't buzz him in, as is the protocol in most schools today. I've picked up my grandkids and they do buzz you in. They want to know who you are and what you're there for and what have you. So, boy, evil is pervasive and it seems to
1: be getting worse and worse. I think think you're making a point here that all of us, are painfully, cognizantly aware of that that it's not just the acceleration of these incidences. It's the degree, the magnitude of these incidences. You know, we have come a long way from the middle of the last century when you didn't have to lock your doors to where now— We have to lock our schools and, you know, these mass murders, these mass killings. Ross, there have been over 50 of these that have taken place in American culture in the last 20 years. Uh, You know, we, we know about some of the more prevalent, the more the ones that get on the front page Columbine High School and the, the movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, you know, Virginia Tech and Red Lake, Minnesota, uh, Fort Hood, Texas, and now Sandy Hook uh, Elementary School in Connecticut. But the, there are 50, and, and, the, and that doesn't count the 14,000 plus murders that happen in our culture every single year. And that number is accelerating. And I, I think... Ross, as I listened to our president um, at the memorial service there in Connecticut, I, I, I found myself uh, identifying with so much of what he was trying to say. You could just see him almost as the representative of our culture, trying to get his arms as we try to all get our corporate arms around this horrific development, and it seems to be getting worse and worse every year. Now, Ross, I'm convinced that worldview is behind this. There's something happening in the world that our listeners need to be aware of. Well, the question is, I, I, well, a lot of questions come up, but
0: uh, do we bring the issue of the Second Amendment and guns into this discussion? Or it, can this discussion be handled apart from the gun issue and only deal with the, uh, the sinister, the ominous, the pervasive, uh, sinful nature of man that is causing this? And does mental illness, does familial interaction, does lack of social contact, does the the sickness maybe of autism and or asperger's syndrome does how do the how does this come together bob you're significantly more of a professional in
1: these areas than am i well obviously the there is a complexity about this the the family system that was that created the environment for a lot of this to take place we have to all of us, I think recognize that our families do have a profound impact on our emotional and personal development obviously the the fact that you know whether you whether you're on the left or the right side of the aisle, the fact that we live in a culture that is proliferate with armor and guns uh, and and the accessibility of these and uh, we, we all know that we all recognize that there's something that's out of control here. I think those of us that are in the spiritual community recognize that behind this micro evil, and I, I'll, I'll use that term, Ross, there's a, there's an evil that happens in people's hearts that, you know, if you, if you lock up all the guns, someone who wants to murder someone is going to kill you with a rock. They're going to kill. They're going to find a way to murder you if murder is in their heart. And so I think, I think that we all recognize that there is an incredible complexity to this. One of the things that, that was both encouraging for me and a bit distressing for me as I heard our president's remarks, I, I, was, I was moved by the tenderness and compassion, uh, his heart that as he tries to get his arms as a father and as a, as a citizen. Around this tragedy, I, I appreciated that. I appreciated his tears uh, when this event happened last week. Um, I also appreciated the fact that he's trying to grapple with understanding this, just like you and I are, just like our listeners are today. There's a. I want to go back and talk about this more in just a minute. But the thing that really concerned me, Ross, was that there doesn't appear to be any serious spiritual solution in our public conversations about this. Even our even our president, he, he called for educators, he called for law enforcement, he called for spiritual health people, but there was no mention of any spiritual solution. The church wasn't mentioned in this. And I, you know, I've got some thoughts about that that are both, some of them are a little bit embarrassing as a Christian. I have to admit that.
0: Well, I've got some thoughts too. I, I certainly don't want to get off onto the political side of this matter. Uh, but I, I i don't, I'm not in full agreement with you with regard to the president. I probably uh, I have difficulty with his motives based on what I've seen over the past five years and, and more specifically the last six months. I think uh, to think that we, have had a mandate for what he is attempting to do in this country is not the case. What I think the voters showed was that the mandate said, we don't want the person that you have depicted, which I think he and his campaign did with Romney, because I think probably there there hasn't been a more... Upstanding, fine, decent man to run for president, maybe ever than Romney, but that's that's one issue. So I I do have difficulty. I, I would grant you that what we saw on TV came across as very sincere and what have you. I, I I'm not here to challenge that. I, I just probably have a different view. But I think where I know where you're going with the issue of Christianity, because. Were Christians not brought into that discussion because uh, he was uh, circumventing that or there was a circuitous route taken to another point of view? Or is it because that maybe in the Christians or the organized Christian faith is not providing solutions to that? Um,
1: Maybe you can tell me where you come down on that. Well, I think you're bringing up a great point, Ross, and I, I'm still trying to figure that out. I, I, I think I think that the fact, though, is is that in the public dialogue, the church is largely omitted from any conversation for solutions to matters like we're talking about today. Uh, the church is at best on the margins. Of the public dialogue and the public discussions, and i you know I, I'll tell you I, I think I think there's partly I think there's two reasons for that ross I think partly it shows the increasing secularization of our culture. it shows that we have embraced a worldview that has largely rejected God as a creator it 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 has embraced naturalism as a worldview as the predominant explanation for what we see around us. So the increasing secularization of our culture pushes spiritual solutions to the fringes. But I think there's another solution. I mean, I think there's another reason for this. And it, it's embarrassing for me to have to say this because I, I'm a churchman. I've, I've been a Christian most of my adult life. And I think that part of the reason the church has been pushed to the margins is our own fault. We have not been in the words of Jesus, we've not been the salt of the earth, and we've not been the light of the world that the Lord said we should be and I think that because of that we're losing market share in the in the worldview discussion in the in the marketplace of ideas and that I think that's tragic i I think there's something else going on, Ross that maybe we could talk about in another show, but I do think that God is angry about the evil in the world today and I think there's something going on from a macro perspective that we have to consider as part of our worldview discussion.
0: Well, how do you how do you encompass all that? What what is the bigger picture and and how do we get how do we get a focus on that picture that includes uh, a Christian worldview that includes what we believe is at, at the core of the solution, and it's being totally excluded from the from the marketplace of these ideas.
1: There's no well, currency to the Christian view worldview. I believe there's a terrible irony that's happening today in in our in modern life in this 2013 world that we're about to embark on in just a few weeks. Uh, the, it, on, on one hand. Uh, the, the scriptures that were brought down to Western culture through through the Jews and then through the Christian Church, the, the scriptures do offer perspective on this. There's a there's a theism. There's a gospel message, Ross, that offers best answers to these worldview questions. There's a it offers a best perspective on this cultural implosion. It offers a best solution and a real hope. But but we we as Christians in our culture, the remnant if you even will, and as our postmodern post Christian culture, there's still an echo that allows a discussion to be had about, about the the judgment. And that's really boy I that's a, that's a term we don't hear a lot in public debate. But there is a sense in throughout the scripture that God is in the process of, of bringing judgment upon a world that has rejected him. And uh, I think we're seeing a lot of that happen. I think what happened in Connecticut was a terrible tragedy at a local level. And we've got to find solutions for that. But at a macro level, there's something else happening in the in the broad trends of history that I'm not sure the average person on the street, and I'm not sure the average Christian understands what's going on, but you've got an overview of this right in the book of Romans. It's in Romans chapter 1 through 3, and very few people understand these trends, these macro trends, and what we see happening today, Ross, I'm convinced are a big part of that. Wow, you get into Romans 1 through 3, boy, you're really opening
0: up a real can of worms in a lot of areas where our society has fallen down in you know, over the past decades. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, what you did there. The closest that I have seen to someone bringing this idea of spirituality into this issue is a, not a cartoon, but a a poster that said, where were you, God, when this happened, and off to the side god responds and said well you you forced me out of the school so i was i couldn't be there when this happened now that's that's a little bit we, philosophically uh, doctrinally we don't believe that that's the case obviously god anything we believe that anything that happens god has to allow it caused it no allow it yes purpose we don't understand uh, but certainly, if, if we raise the specter of that issue, that God is bringing judgment on this world, think of the hue and cry that is going to be in the public discourse, in the media, how it's, it's going to be railed upon. Now, I agree, it should be in the public discourse, but that's going to be a firestorm. If and when that's brought
1: up, Ross, I couldn't agree more. And you know, and, and um, the thing that makes this so problematic to discuss is that I, I'm convinced that God is incredibly angry at the evil that happened there in Connecticut. Uh, I, I don't believe that He uh, allows evil. Let me put it in a different way, Ross. I don't think God is the originator of evil. I think he hates evil in all of its forms. Um, And so, in fact, I think if, if if you look at the aftermath of what is happening there in Connecticut, I think you're going to see that some of the most amazing acts of compassion and healing are probably going to be affected by people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ and already we're seeing evidence of that take place in Connecticut but there's a legitimate question that comes up on the on the on everyone's screen and it really is where is god in the midst of all this where is he and you know it there's not a simple solution to that i, I was reading the excerpt from obama's speech and basically he asked that question i mean he, he near the end he he raises the question, and I'm quoting him here, why are we here? What gives our life meaning? What gives our acts purpose? And then he goes on to talk about the groping through the darkness as we are unable to discern God's heavenly plans. And I'm I'm quoting directly from the excerpt from his eulogy remarks. And he in many ways regardless of whether you understand or agree with his politics or not i think there's a sense in which our president is voicing this incredible confusion this incredible darkness that's taking place in the public discourse right now about what is going on around us and but there are there are answers offered in scripture they're not easy answers Ross <clears throat> they're not simple. They're not always real satisfying because they don't allow us to hold on to a, a position that says I can live any way I want to apart from God. And those are difficult things to have to contend with today.
0: Yes, that is, is so true. And i have to admit that I did not hear his any after the first 60 seconds, I didn't hear any of uh, what he had to say. So I'm I'm not familiar with the words that you just quoted. I, I think that very few people, I don't know that anybody has the answer or purports to have the answer. I think that people will come forward and say, this should be done. And I think it's easy to rush to a conclusion that doing one thing is going to solve this problem. And I think the one thing that people will run to is we ought to uh, eliminate the second amendment or the second amendment doesn't say that we should have guns. Uh, I think I probably have moderated my view to say that I I can't understand why an individual should have a magazine that could shoot a hundred bullets out of a, of a gun Uh, One of the children, they said, had 11 bullet holes in the body. Now, that's probably a gun that shouldn't be in the hands of anybody that is not on the battlefield protecting our nation. The idea of taking all guns away from people, I think, is a violation of our constitutional right under the Second Amendment. So somewhere in between there, there should be some protection, I think. Uh, I, I don't know how to answer the question, but I think that's probably the place that most people will run. It's the easiest place to to say that we have a solution. but where is the mental health issue? Where is the familial issue here? You have a divorce. You have probably a child. It feels like that he was not getting from his mother. What he thought he needed. She was giving that to 30 or 20 or whatever other children in her school. Uh, the father had divorced the mother and he was gone and he had another child and here this person couldn't sort through situation in his own mind where he obviously was a very intelligent young man. Everyone said that he was from his school work, but he obviously was very disturbed and had some sort of malady. How do all these things fit into a solution? I, I, I don't have the slightest idea.
1: It is incredibly complex. And then you get into the issues of the First Amendment, because, I mean, here's this young man who's obviously incredibly emotionally, maybe mentally uh, troubled. And yet uh, he there was a constant exposure in his life to violence through violent video games and all kinds of images in his life, and who's to say what kind of an impact those repeated exposures to violence may have contributed to the rage that eventually exploded in his life. But that gets back to the First Amendment, that we have a right, supposedly, to look at anything and see anything we want to and expose our children to that. Ross, you're exactly right. This is an incredibly complex soup that we're in
0: you know, the the issue of uh, the video games and these dark games and the hunting, you, you go back to Hollywood, who seems to be revered by the entirety of society when you have a magazine, People magazine, that all it does is delve into the sordid lives of the Hollywood characters primarily and some politicians. But here you have a media center that is consistently and constantly uh, making idols out of TV and video games that look for mass destruction and elevate people who are participating in mass destruction and making it seem okay. It's okay for someone who's sitting in front of a video screen to massacre a large number of people. There's no risk to that individual this That's doing that, so there's in in many ways it, it this virtual environment is a lie, but it continues to be promoted, and we continue to idolize those people who are producing and creating and selling these things but again, now you've got the first amendment issue to
1: deal with I know ross this is a tragic we keep repeating ourselves, don't we? It's a tragic, tragic situation. I, I know we're just about out of time in this particular episode of Worldview Matters, but you know, I, I just I want to go back and just remind you and I that we understand. I we're not apologetic about the fact that we both have come to the place in our understanding of worldview that that we're convinced that there is a. There is an answer that's more than just what we can see in the visible realm, that there's something going on behind the scenes. that there's an evil that's working in the heart of, of individual people, but there's also a conspiracy of evil, an angelic, if you will, evil behind all of this. There's an agenda. Jesus talked about the God of this world, this evil, wicked hierarchy of angelic beings that are fallen, that hate God and hate his creation, hate us. And maybe in another show, we can talk more about how God is going to bring about judgment, not just upon the world of men who hate him, but he's also going to bring about judgment on this invisible realm. Uh, Jesus talks about creating a new earth, but he also talks about creating a new heavens, and somehow these worlds, this invisible world and this visible world we're all there inextricably tied up together, and I'm convinced that a lot of the solutions that we're talking about are going to be fine right there at the rubric where this visible and this invisible, these, these two realms bump up against each other Wow, heavy
0: you know, as we bring to close uh this particular communication with those who listen to us, Bob, maybe a summary is worthwhile. We see in this tragedy the conflux of two major segments of our constitution, the first and the second amendment. We see mental health issues, we see family issues with divorce, we see school issues with protection. We see the degradation of society where you have to protect public places like this. And it's almost impossible to do so. We see almost a witch's brew where these things are being mixed up. And then what we don't see, we don't see an, an overarching attempt or a permission to utilize spiritual solutions, or at least involve Christianity and God in the solutions to these particular problems. So it is a very, very difficult situation that we're facing, and I don't think that it's going to get any easier or any better anytime soon. If you put on top of that the possibility of economic woes in our world and in our country, you see that the pressures build and build and build. And as we saw with Mount St. Helens, where there was puffs of smoke here and there, and then all of a sudden the side of the mountain slid down and was gone, and there was an avalanche, and there was devastation for miles and miles and miles around. And I get that picture as I think about what we see here. But, Bob, I think probably we have only opened the can of worms, provided some possible avenue for looking at a solution in a different way. And maybe we've
1: only simply unpeeled the onion of the problem. Well, you know, Ross, I think you're right. I, I guess before we wrap up this show, I, I would like to suggest something, though. You know, I, I believe that, that Christians and the church and spiritual solutions have indeed been pushed to the margins of any real uh, consideration of a solution for these tragic events. But I don't I don't think that means that there's not a solution. I I think there is a solution, Ross. And I, I think the solution must begin with the people who name the name of God. I think the people of God must awake first. We're the ones who say we understand this world and what's going on in it because we have a revelation of what God says about Himself. And I, I think it's time for the for church people, for Christians to stop looking for solutions outside of God Himself. It's time for Christians to humble themselves. It's time for Christians to pray and seek His face, to draw close to God in fellowship and obedience. And yes, I'm going to even use the word repentance, Ross. I think it's time for Christians to repent, to make it our goal to be personally mature, to be like Christ. And I believe that somehow God promises that if we'll do that, Wisdom is going to emerge. I don't think it's beyond God's pay grade.
0: Well, good place to end. We appreciate you being with us, folks, on Worldview Matters, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again. We, l- we would love to entertain your questions. Please uh, let us hear from you. Also, we'd like to tell you a little bit more about Big Brains Media. James Spann is a, a, a wonderful leader of this group, which includes a number of different shows, a couple on football, one on Auburn, and one on Alabama, uh, Just Talking It Up, Eavesdrop, and uh, Big Brain's Weather, which is the flagship program in this particular a group of programs. We'd love for you to participate and listen to some of these others. Thank you so much, Bob, for your insight and input. I look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you, Ross, and Merry Christmas to you. And to you and our listeners.
1: This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com